Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. We're finishing up, uh, speaking of series, we're finishing up a teaching series here at the church called Anchor for My Soul. And I hope this has been helpful to you. I feel like this has been very valuable at a personal and and practical level. We're talking about the promises of God. We've talked about the promises of God through the storms of life. And how many of you know, not every storm is on the radar. Sometimes things come up out of nowhere and you got to be anchored to God's word and his promises. We've talked about promises for our life. Uh, Last week, we were talking about walking in God's promises, I know all of our campus pastors were able to preach that at their campus, and Marla did a fantastic job here. Ryan did a great job in Denham, and Patrick did an amazing job in Ascension. Come on, put your hands together for our amazing team. Well, I want to finish today, and in fact, and let me draw your attention to this resource one more time because we keep selling out of this book. If you don't have this book, get it today. This is the last week we're talking about the promises of God, and this is a great companion guide to what we've been discussing over the last four weeks. And so it's right now, ready-made, grab a hold of God's Word, pray things over your life, your family, your children, your future, and it gives you an anchor to hold on to. So pick that up on your way out today. The title of the message today is simply this. We're going to finish with a bang. Are you ready? Title of the message is Left on Red. Left on Red. Now, how many of you have no idea what that means? Probably most of us, if you're over 30 years old, you probably don't have a clue as to what I said. Guess what? I didn't know what I was talking about either until just recently. How many of you know what Left on Red means? Okay, all right. Well, I didn't have a clue. My team came to me and said, hey, this would be a great title for what we want to talk about in the series, Left on Red. I said, you got to explain that to me. And so we asked some of you what it means to be left on red. And check out this video. Here's what you told us. So the question is, what do you think it means to be left on red? If someone came up to you and they're like, so this happened to me today, I got left on red, what would you assume that it was? Left on red, I would assume they, they got cut off. They got they cut just off? Sh- okay. shut down. Yeah? Um, I don't even have a guess. <laughs> left on red? Yeah, left on red. I have no idea. R-E-A-D. I have no idea. I've never heard of that. What would you assume that it was? A game, a game you playing. Okay. Uh, is when you send a message, Expecting a response, and they just open it, and they close it, and they could do whatever else in the world they do instead of talking to you. How does it, how do you think it makes other people feel whenever you leave them on red? Uh, it makes you feel undervalued, maybe sometimes unseen. Uh, maybe you feel like you're aggravating the people or something like that, and so uh, being left on red is not nice. Mm-hmm. Not for I feel you. Like they don't like you. It makes you feel unwanted. Yeah. Have you ever left anyone on red? Yeah, not on purpose, but yeah, but sometimes maybe on purpose. I got real friends. People That's don't leave right. me on red. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No fake ones. Never. Never. I have always texted somebody back, and if y'all text me back, I guess we ain't gonna be texting no more. Let's say you get left on red. Do you double text? 
<laughs> I have, but that kind of goes off as desperate. <laughs> so you probably shouldn't do that unless it's urgent and you need their attention. What happens if you triple text and there's no response? Triple text, have they seen it? Did they like see it? It's on red. I don't think they care what you're talking about. That is a red flag. You if don't it's not that. an emergency and they triple text you? That is a red flag. Triple? I'm, I'm texting them Even they after they didn't answer you? Until they answer, I'm texting yeah, them until they answer. Look at the previous scenes to see what they think hey, about hey, that. It's, it's the <laughs> oh, yes, that's a good one. Uh, come on, can you put your hands together? How many know sometimes it takes a teenager to teach you a thing or two? Those are your kids that taught us what it means to be left on red. How many of you learned something today? Oh yeah, the title of the message today is Left on Red. When you send a text, how many of you are, are just cell phone challenged? Okay, I, I, I am. I, I've got a degree in computer science, and I'm still trying to figure out technology, all right? You send a text. You know it was delivered. You know that they read your text, and they didn't respond. Mm -hmm. Come on, somebody. Dating culture today, that would be a nightmare. You kind of put yourself out there, right? Hey, girl, what's up? Hey, it was great, great meeting you today. And then you see those three dots. Da, 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 da. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Man, we're preaching right where we live, baby. And the, the, the message itself says read. You know that they saw it. You know that they read it, but they didn't respond. Have you ever left anybody on read? Sometimes at the end of the day, I'll come home, and Rachel won't even ask me how my day was. She'll get my cell phone, and she just starts scrolling through, reading all of the conversations that I've had all day. I'm like, baby, if you want to know something about my day, ask. She says, nope. And, she, and then she'll say, but you didn't respond to him. Did you see this message? You didn't even respond. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Listen, this is an official apology to every one of you that have texted me and didn't get a text back from me. I apologize. It's hard to keep up with everything. Left on red is a, it's a cultural phrase that means a lot to our students. But you know what? I think all of us, young and old alike, we understand the dilemma of being left on red. Can I have a good amen? Sometimes we even feel like in our relationship with God that we've been left on red. You know what? God is, has given us a lot of promises. Sometimes we, we have prayed and, and we've asked God for certain things in our life. We prayed for friends or family members. We prayed for our future. We prayed for our health. We've prayed for our children. And yet we see nothing. We don't hear anything. There's no movement. There's no activity. It, it, it feels like, God, I know you hear me when I pray, but I haven't heard you say anything. I'm not seeing you do anything. If anybody in all of Scripture knew what it felt like to be left on red, it was a guy named Joseph. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis. Let, let, let me give you the backstory of Joseph. This is one of my favorite Bible 
characters. There are more chapters devoted to Joseph's story than Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. You start in Genesis 37, and you'll read all the way to the end of that book. This story plays out better than any Hollywood movie could ever produce. I'm telling you, the Bible speaks right to where we live. And his journey was very interesting. Jacob was one of 12, I mean, Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. Okay, these 12 sons would eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Bible tells us that Jacob favored Joseph more than all of his brothers. In fact, he loved him so much, he gave him a coat of many colors. And Joseph wore that coat, and every time his brothers saw him coming in that coat, they despised him. Joseph is wearing this fresh Armani suit, and all of his brothers are shopping at Goodwill. Come on, somebody. Man, there was something a little off in the house, and, and so Joseph, he's the favorite, and he knows it. In fact, God gave Joseph several dreams, several visions. He had one dream of, of these 12 stars, and Joseph's star was shining brighter than all of his brother's stars. Uh, he had this vision of, of bundles of grain, and 12 bundles of grain, and yet Joseph's bundle rose up higher, and all these other bundles bowed toward him, and Joseph was just so excited about it. He told his brothers, he said, hey, guys, check this out. I had two dreams, one about stars, one about bundles of grain. And here's the amazing part. All of you were bowing to me. I mean, no, God can speak something to you or show you something, but it doesn't mean you have to tell everybody. Mm, 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 mm. So his brothers one day devised a plan, and they, they, they had planned to kill him, but they ended up throwing him in a pit. And trying to figure out what they wanted to do with him, they saw some Ishmaelite traders that were coming through. So they sold him out of that pit. They sold him as a slave. And these traders took Joseph down to Egypt. Joseph finds himself far away from home in a foreign land, betrayed by his brothers. His father thought he was dead. And now he's serving in a man named Potiphar's house. Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's uh, uh, officers, uh, a high-ranking official, and Joseph is serving as a slave in Potiphar's house. Potiphar had a wife. The Bible doesn't give us her name, but we'll call her Miss Potty. <laughs> Miss Potty thought Joseph was a hottie, and so she tried to get naughty. Come on, somebody. You saw what I did there? You saw what I did? So she makes a pass at Joseph, and Joseph has so much integrity that literally he runs right out of his jacket. I'm telling you, his coat is getting him in trouble, whether it's the coat of many colors or now this coat that this potty has in her hands. And so she blames Joseph. She cries to her husband, says, this Hebrew slave tried to, tried to, to take advantage of me. And so now Joseph finds himself in prison. He goes from the pit. Somebody say the pit. He goes to Potiphar's house, say Potiphar. Now he's in prison. Somebody say prison. This is the episode that I want to really drill down on. Joseph finds himself in prison, left on red. God, where are you? Look at what it says here, Genesis 39, verse 21. In prison, the scripture says, the Lord was still with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him 
faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Now here's, I want to, in this, this passage, this is just a single chapter in this amazing story. I don't have time to give you all the details, but I want to highlight this particular episode in Joseph's life because some of you feel in a prison of sorts. Some of you feel far away from God. Maybe at one time you sensed his presence. Uh, you know, you had fellowship with God. Maybe you even prayed and believed for some specific things to happen in your life, but you're getting nothing. What do you do when you are left on red? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, remember the favor of God. The favor. The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph in prison, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite. Now, let me teach you something about favor. You can be in a tough situation and still marked with the favor of God. God will be with you in your lowest moments. Joseph, in the natural, it felt like he had been abandoned by God. But in the spirit realm, God was doing so much more than Joseph could even imagine. And let me just encourage some of you who are feeling abandoned. Maybe some of you feel in a prison of sorts. Uh, you, you don't have to be a bad person to end up in a bad place. Maybe some of you are in a difficult set of circumstances. Please do not evaluate your value or worth based on your circumstances. What God is doing in you is more important than what's happening around you. Can I have a good amen? Let me say it like this. Where you are is not who you are. See, Joseph may have been in prison, but he was not a criminal. And some of us are evaluating our worth and our value based on our circumstances. Please don't confuse the favor of God with the circumstances around you. You say, but pastor, I don't like where I am. I don't like what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you the most valuable thing you'll hear me say all day is this. Are you ready? If you're in a situation or a season where you don't like your circumstances, you don't like where you are, you don't like the things that you're doing, let me encourage you with this right here. Focus on being the right person and trust God to put you in the right place. Can we talk about person and place just for a second? Sometimes you're trying to get to the right place. You're so consumed with where you are that you're neglecting who you're becoming. God is much more interested in who you're becoming than where you are. And I see people, I have conversations with individuals, and there's nothing wrong with having ambition to better yourself and better your situation and better your opportunity. But please don't seek, don't put more emphasis on the place than you do the person. If you'll focus on being the right person, God will find a way to put you in the right place. See, Joseph could have complained in prison. I mean, we're going to see this as this story unfolds. But as you focus on being the right person, God says, I'm going to put you right where you need to be. This is a word in season for somebody. I'm telling you, if you'll embrace what I'm saying, if you'll focus on being the right person at that job that you can't stand. Mm, oh, I just said that. God, how long do I got to be here? Well, well, wait a second. Wait a, why, can't I just, why can't I just do what I love? Why don't you pray, Lord, help me to love what I do? And, and instead of focusing on 
the place you want to be. Focus on the person that you're becoming. And if you'll focus on being the right person, God will always get you in the right place at the right time. You see, this is, if, if you and I will learn this, this will help us to enjoy the journey. Why was Joseph in prison? Why did he go from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison? You know what? It was a test. You remember back in the day, you'd be watching your TV show, and then they'd interrupt the movie, interrupt the show. Beep. This is a test. This is only a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. Can I tell you something about tests? Tests reveal what's inside of us. Tests will locate you and show you exactly where you are. Notice what the scripture says in Psalm 105, verse 19. Until the time, somebody say time. See, Joseph felt left on red, but it wasn't the right time. In the time it came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Joseph had to be tested. You see, sometimes we have fancy ideas about ourselves that aren't always true. Now, you didn't shout me down on that one, but you know what I'm saying is right. Sometimes we overestimate ourselves. I remember when Rachel and I were dating, and we'd go out on a date, and man, would be at a restaurant, and man, kids would be acting crazy, kids would be hollering, and I'd tell her, I said, babe, check out that family over there. They need to get their kids in line. You know what? When we have kids, we'll never. <laughs> we'll never let our kids act like that. We'll be better parents than that. And God arranged a little test for us. We had children. We had eeny, meeny, money, and we ain't having no more. Come on, somebody. Now, when I'm in a restaurant, it's almost 27 years of marriage. We've got one kid left in the house. The other two are, are gone. And now when I'm in a restaurant and I'm hearing kids going crazy and whining and complaining, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking, Lord, bless those parents. <laughs> oh, sweet. Can, I just want to come sit down with those moms and dads and be like, I understand. I, you want me, can I take your kid for a couple hours so you can enjoy a meal in peace? Why? Test revealed something about me that I didn't know beforehand. Joseph had a lot of issues on the front end of this thing with favor. He didn't know how to handle favor. He made it about himself. And so God had to test him in the pit, in Potiphar's house, and now in prison. It was a test. God had to work those things out by arranging tests. But here's the good news. Testing is God's method of promotion. How many of you have prayed, Lord, advance me, promote me, increase me? Nobody's praying that? Y'all need to start praying some different prayers. God has more for you than what you're experiencing right now because God is better to you than you are to yourself. But when you pray for, for, for advancement and promotion and increase, and God wants to give you all of those things, he's going to test you to make sure that you're ready to receive everything that you've prayed for. Testing is God's method of promotion. How do you advance from the sixth grade to the seventh grade? You got to take some tests. You've got to pass 
a test or two. Here's what God is doing. And, and the, the, the interesting thing about this, Joseph has favor. He's got the presence of God with him, even though he's in a situation that he prefers not to be in. The Lord is with him. Here's the bad news. In life, there will be pop quizzes. But the good news is this. Every quiz is always open book. The Holy Spirit is with you when you're being tested. If you're going through a test right now, I'm telling you, God has prepared you in advance, and he's given you the answer you need to pass the test. Can you say amen? You know, when Jesus, think about this. Think about the timeline of Jesus. How old was Jesus when he launched his earthly ministry? When he was baptized by, by John in the Jordan River, how old was Christ? 30 years of age. How old was Jesus when he died on the cross? Okay, so you do the math. How many years did he have to change the world? He only had three years. He's 33 years old. He didn't go public with his ministry until 30. Why did he wait so long to say hello? You think about it. If you know the clock is ticking, we don't know much about Jesus the first 30 years of his life. We read a lot about him at his birth. You know, we, we celebrate Christmas and the nativity and all of those things. And then there's one episode of Jesus when he was 12 years old in the temple. Remember when his parents forgot him? How many feeling better about yourself already? <laughs> yeah. But we don't know. What was Jesus doing at 17? What was he doing at 22? What was he doing at, at 28? There's only one verse in Scripture that sums up 30 years of mystery, and it's in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. The Bible says this, Jesus grew. That's what he was doing. He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. Come on, somebody say favor. In favor with God and all the people. Guess what? If you're in a circumstance or a situation where you feel like you're left on red, God may be trying to grow you. And don't mistake your circumstances for the presence or the tangible touch of God. Joseph was in prison, but he was marked with favor. Now, notice what it says in verse 22. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. If you're taking notes, you write down favor of God. But number two, write down the word faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. Notice how the scripture says while in prison, Joseph just took care of it all. There was so much favor on his life and the warden recognized it. That tells me this. You can work at a secular job. You can be employed in a business and in an environment that maybe it's a dark and difficult environment. And even ungodly people can recognize the touch of God on your life. God can give you favor in whatever prison you find yourself in. But notice this. It translates into Joseph's faithfulness. He was faithful. The, the warden put him in charge of everything. He, just, he was so responsible that the warden said, you know what, I'm going to put that young man in charge so I won't have to worry. You know, the older I get, the more attractive faithfulness becomes. 
I think, I want you to hear this, I think faithfulness is one of the most underrated values in all of Scripture. I, I don't know if we celebrate faithfulness enough. You know why? Because we like the shiny things, don't we? We like the, the chic, creative, you know, visible, oh, the, the talent, the attraction of all the, 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 the bells and the whistles. But there's something about faithfulness. It's the difference between a chandelier and a pillar. You walk into a beautiful building and a chandelier will command your attention. It's so visible. It's prominent. It's decorative. It's, ah, oh, look at that chandelier. But nobody walks into a building and says, man, I like those pillars. Wow, have you seen the pillars on that massive building? Whoa, pillars are hidden. But pillars are strong. They support things. They are load-bearing. They carry weight. They may not be the, the sleek, sexy thing that everybody sees, but without pillars, you won't have a facility to even walk into. I told my children, I know you, you've heard me say this before, but when my girls were growing up, I said, listen, when you get married, I want you to marry Steady Eddie. And you be careful of Sexy Steve, all right? Watch out for Sexy Steve. Sexy Steve may look good, but how many know sexy has a shelf life? Come on, talk to me. Yes, it does. <laughs> Somebody comes up to you saying, yeah, I'm Mr. Right. You say, yes, sir, you move right on out of here because I ain't got time for that. I want you to marry Steady Eddie, somebody that's going to faithfully care for you day in and day out, in the good days and the not-so-good days, when they're getting a lot of recognition or nobody sees. It doesn't matter. Faithful. See, Jesus said, one day when you stand before me, the criteria to enter into heaven is hearing me say, well done, good and faithful. He didn't say, man, sexy. He said, faithful. He didn't say flavor of the month. Can you be faithful day after day? Come on, somebody. This is how you, when you feel left on red from God, you just dig in and be faithful. Tim Keller said Joseph's years in prison were years of preparation, years when he was being trained for leadership. As he served in obscurity, he was being refined and polished for greatness. And when the moment came, he was ready. You see, let me, let me tell you, this is probably the second most valuable thing you'll hear. The, the, the first was, Focus on being the right person, and then God will put you in the right place. The second is this. If you'll be faithful with what's in your hand, God will give you the dreams that are in your heart. Some of you are just chasing the dream in your heart, and you're neglecting what God has put in your hand. Well, I don't like where I am. I don't like what I'm doing. I, I've got a higher capacity, a, a greater calling. My anointing is greater than my current assignment. God's saying this, I'm not going to release you into the fullness of your anointing until you're faithful with the assignment that I put in your hand. <laughs> hear me, hear me, hear me. Listen to this. What's in your hand is not the enemy of the dreams in your heart. And there, there's a generation that needs to hear this. Because I know we, we, we got young men and young women that are ambitious, and I'm all for ambition. Joseph was a dreamer, man. He had, most scholars believe he was 17 years old when God gave him those dreams. 
But God had to, to work some things out in Joseph's life. He had to teach him the value of being faithful with what's in your hand. I'm going to send you down to Egypt, and you're going to serve in Potiphar's house. Can you be faithful there? Oh, you'll be framed and falsely accused and put in prison, but can you be faithful there? God's saying, if I can trust you with faithfulness in the little things, then I'll give you a whole lot of other things too. Too many people chasing the dreams in their heart. They're neglecting what God has placed in their hands. Psalm 37, 3, the scripture says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Can I have a good amen? I'm going to have to fast forward through some things. While Joseph is in prison, he meets two men. Two men that were were banished. And, And this prison, I want you to consider this. Scholars think that this prison was right next door to the palace. So anybody that got sideways with Pharaoh, who was the king, the most powerful man on the planet, they got banished to this prison that was right next door. Think about Joseph being in prison so close to the palace, yet so far away. Joseph, and I want to ask the band to come out. Joseph comes across two men in prison. One was the king's cupbearer, and the other was the king's baker. Apparently, somewhere along the line, these two men had offended the king. Scholars believe that there was maybe an attempt on the king's life. Think about it. The the cupbearer is responsible for everything the king would drink. The baker is responsible for everything the king would eat. Maybe there was an assassination plot against Pharaoh, and so he banished them to prison. Joseph sees these men, and notice what it says in in chapter 40, verse 6. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. Now, now here's, here's what I think is fascinating. I don't even have time to unpack all of this, but this is such a great study. Oh, it's so good. Joseph is in prison for something he did not do. He's an innocent man with no hope of freedom whatsoever. And yet he notices the pain of somebody else. Who? Let me ask you this. Where's your focus? Where's your focus? Man, if you've got the favor of God and then you're walking in faithfulness, Even if you're in a difficult set of circumstances, don't become self-absorbed. Don't make this about self-pity. Come on, somebody. Don't get bitter. Don't, Don't close yourself into your own pain. But look to others. Look to add value to somebody else. The fact that Joseph even notices that these men are upset It says something to me. It says this, Joseph learned the lesson. Why is this part of the Promises series? You should hear me. Because the promises of God for you are not just about you. Man, I'm holding on to a promise. That's great. You can claim it for yourself. Man, I'm going to believe that this promise is going to work in my marriage, in my children, in my life, in my development. But don't make the promise about you. It's for you, but it's not just about you. 
You see, these, the, the, the cupbearer and the baker, they were troubled because they had some dreams. And Joseph's like, hey, well, dreams are God's business. What would you dream? And they told him. And Joseph interpreted those dreams. He told them what their dreams meant. Consider this. Here Joseph was a young man with a bunch of dreams. He couldn't get his dreams fulfilled, but he's interpreting somebody else's dreams. And you know the story. Cupbearer gets restored. Gets back into Pharaoh's presence. But Joseph is forgotten. He's left there to rot. He's left on red. Until one day, Pharaoh had a dream. Hey, he was troubled by this dream, and he'd asked all of his magicians and astrologers what the dream could mean, and nobody could answer him. And then that's when the cupbearer said, oh, I, I realize I made a mistake. King, remember when you was mad at me and you thought I was trying to kill you and I really wasn't, but then, you know, you, you found out that I was okay and you brought me back. And Well, when I was in that prison, there was a young Hebrew boy and he told me what my dream meant. This, this Hebrew boy can tell you what your dream means. And in a moment, can you imagine here? Joseph is rotting in prison. 13 years he's being left. The cupbearer was only in, the, in prison for three days. Joseph left to rot for 13 years. Can you imagine the prison guard coming in saying, hey, it's time to clean up. It's time to get a new pair of clothes. It's time to shave your face because Pharaoh's asking for you. Can I tell you this? You dress for where you're going and not for where you've been. Some of you guys are trying to say this. It's time for you to focus forward. Don't be looking inward at yourself and woe is me. Man, you, where can you add value to somebody else? How can I bless somebody else as I'm waiting on God? Listen, waiting is not wasting. Man, God's redeeming this time in your life to grow you and develop you and let Christ be formed in you. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.